Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to Joseph Shaw, editor and designer of Bumble, the magazine that raises awareness of the plant and animal species that are currently under threat and offers simple, practical things that readers can do to help them. It was started last year by Joseph and Editor-in-Chief Rachel Nellist, and in this conversation he tells the story of how they funded that first issue, how they've managed to make it self-sustaining since then, and how they started out aiming at a younger audience, but they've since found that their readers are much broader than they first expected. As is often the case with independent magazines, Bumble started out with a clear passion but no great grand plan. And one year on and with their third issue out next week, they're continuing in exactly the same way, learning as they go and adapting to what they encounter. I've really enjoyed watching Bumble grow since that first issue, so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Joseph Shaw from Bumble. Hey Joseph, thank you very much for coming over. Thank you for having me. So you are one of the editors and the designer behind Bumble magazine, uh, which is a, a magazine that goes big on like the, the beauty of nature. Where did this idea come from? Well, it originally started with uh, Rachel, who's the uh, editor-in-chief um, and the founder. Uh, she was was working at the uh, Yorkshire Wildlife Trust and she um, had to do a project which engaged the uh, initially the younger younger generation in wildlife and nature and uh, she came up with the idea of doing a magazine talked to me about it I was working in Magma in Manchester at the time and I kind of jumped on the idea as well so we kind of just um, put the first issue together with a little bit of help from uh, from the wildlife trust um and it kind of it kind of just took off and we got to kind of it kind of sold out within a few months and so we were like okay right we need to uh need to probably need to do another another issue (laughs) so we just kind of um yeah just kind of yeah we've just been keeping it going we've we've um just sent our third issue to print um which should be out in on the 25th of october Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been about a year, just over a year we've been doing it and it's, it's been great. So, so I saw that um, it's supported by uh, Yorkshire Wildlife Trust and something called Our Bright Futures. Were, like, what is that organisation? So that, that was the traineeship that, that Rachel was on. That was the, um, <clears throat> the, yeah, the traineeship. Um, and she was based at Yorkshire Wildlife Trust. I think it's their headquarters in just outside Doncaster. So they, so, so as I said, it, it, the um, it, there was a there was a project um, to engage the the younger generation, and they had a little bit of project money. So they kind of they they saw how you know what we were trying to do, and they put aside quite a lot of mon- money for us, and then Rach equaled that, um, and we were able to men- uh, to print seven hundred fifty copies from that. Fantastic. I mean, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are involved in making their magazine or they're thinking about making a magazine. And that, I mean, money is just always the thing. Like there yeah. is, it's always like, you know, how do you get this done? So was that the difference for you then between doing this project and not doing it? Yeah. No, I think I think if, if we hadn't had as much money, we would have just probably just done, scaled it back. 
um, just done a, a, a smaller, uh, less substantial magazine or a zine or something like that. Um, but again, even that, even that costs. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't think it, it held us back too much. Yeah. And so you're a year on now. Um, did, I mean, is that relationship ongoing? Are they still supporting you, or is that that finished now? No, it was kind of like an initial um, injection of cash, mm-hmm. and um, from there we've been able to, from the from the um, magazine sold, we've been able to print more, um, and we've also any profits we make on each magazine we we've put into projects um, and um, things such as. Uh, bags we've we've been printing some tote bags and we're selling them and then the profits we made from that goes back to the world of trust so we're we're gonna we're hoping to pay them back what they initially because they are a charity at the end of the day and right, right, we right. don't want to put them out of pocket you know but, but so you you find yourself in a position where right from the first issue you've got a magazine that's actually paying for itself you're now looking at paying back the money that was put into it in the first place i mean that Sounds like things are going really well. Are you printing more copies now than, than you did at the start? Yeah, so the the, the first issue, um, we printed 750. Um, issue two, we printed 1,000. And we've just um, uh, ordered 1,250, I think. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, we're kind of gradually getting, getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of seeing how it goes on each, on each issue, really. Um, hopefully, I'll just... Keep keep going that keep, keep on that trajectory, but who knows? So I mean, we should talk a little bit about what is actually in the magazine. I, I said at the start that it goes big on like the beauty of nature. So I guess we're you know reading this now. One of the things that really strikes me is just up the road from here in Trafalgar Square, um, Extinction Rebellion are camped out for their second week, and the climate crisis is is I think very strongly in people's minds in a way that maybe it wasn't as strongly like a year or so ago you go with something which I guess um, instead of being like confrontational in the way that they are you're trying for something that is I guess just more pleasing there's a there's a lovely sort of calmness to the magazine what were your when you were first working on this as a designer what were the kind of cues that you were looking to well, we were just kind of like, we were learning things on the job, really, and then thinking, oh, that's amazing. Let's, let's write an article about, about that. People need to know about that. And I think, um, yeah, we, we're, we're, I think we're, we're quite keen to not, not distance ourselves. I, I think there should be a, um, a distinction between the, the environment and the climate crisis and nature and wildlife they are linked definitely but i think i think the the climate crisis is linked to everything i think it's it's the most important issue we have faced ever i think um and i think you know yes i mean we write articles all the time and it's really difficult to 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 say that a certain species is, you know, dying out. 
in a different way because you you there's one article that says since 1970 blah 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 and then another the next one says you know 60% of whatever and it's it's quite difficult to um you know say it in a different way and yeah like you said we're not we're not on people's faces we we just want to show what we're losing um and i think that's that's important so with that in mind then what makes for the perfect bumble story in, in the you know you're you're obvious i mean you want to talk about the like you know the the impact on the natural world and and what's happening but you're obviously quite careful to do that in a way which I guess maybe like welcomes readers and, and takes them along with you. What what's the best way for you to do that? <laughs> Tough question. Um, yeah, I th- I think we're just we're just trying to yeah not be not be confrontational. I think there are um, a lot of people doing that. We're just quietly trying to show what what we're losing. So the cover of your first issue is a pretty extraordinary photograph, which when I first saw it, I just assumed it was an illustration because, you, I mean, it doesn't look like you could get a photo like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a, a guy called Goran Liljeberg, I think, mm-hmm. who takes these amazing photos of insects. And you've got a story in there, an interview with him where he goes through his process. What, what, what was it that made that the thing that you knew you wanted to lead with for your first issue? It's just, like you say, it is an, um, just incredible photography. And um, we started speaking to to him and his team. I think I think it's just him and his possibly granddaughter or, or something like that. Um, and they're just so nice. They're really nice. They just kept, like, sending us stuff to, to put in. And they've been really, really kind to us the past uh, year. Um, but it is so striking. It's striking, and um, I've recently found a document that we put together for, all the, you know, all the different cover ideas, and you go through and you think, oh, that's that. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't go for that one. And then it got to his photography, and it's just, yeah, yeah, breathtaking. So the the picture is a beetle, um, like taking extreme close up, and in this interview, uh, Goran talks about. Um, the fact that he actually takes loads of different photos of the same beetle and then kind of like comps them all together to make sure that every part of it is perfectly in focus. Yeah. The, this huge amount of work that goes into making something that actually looks quite simple, as I say, it looks like a kind of classic illustration of a, a beetle. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. That's another another reason why we wanted to... Um, to to exhibit his work because it the, the the amount of work he does and the I think he's got links to the Stockholm Natural History Museum or something and he, they've just got a huge archive of these you know these little anyth, anything you would want to would want to see they've got it and he just kind of goes through the archive and just just photographs every every one of them and we just think it's amazing really do. So, so issue two, you've moved on to an owl for your your cover. Go on, tell us a story about the owl. So that's uh, Bowie, the the uh, tawny owl, and he was. He, there's a, there's a place just outside Bath, um, a falconry, and they have uh, lots of birds of prey, lots of owls, um, and they, this this guy came in a few weeks old, and I think the owner 
just couldn't really handle him anymore, which is often the case. I, th- I think they were say- they were saying uh, uh, around the time Harry Potter came out, actually, no there was a, there was a really? lot of yeah. I think yeah, and people bought them for their kids, and then of course these these animals. <laughs> so stupid! It's madness! <laughs> it's madness! So you, you've got Beetle Owl. So then, what did you end up with? Issue three. So issue three, we've gone with um, a grey seal pup, um, just because. It, I mean, we were looking through. We we did an uh, animal identification um, section, which we do on every on on every issue, um, and we were looking through some photographs and uh, this guy um, Ben Watkins, a uh, photographer. He did a project on conservation of grey seals, and there was this this photograph that just just stood out. Um, we just kind of fell in love with it. So I mean, I'm I'm looking at that. There's a trend here. So the the beetle. I mean, it's an amazing image, that, as we've said. But then the owl, the seal pup. I'm thinking big eyes. There's a. They're like they're like they're big things yeah. looking out of a magazine cover. Is this a that's you know you, you always hear like you should have a face on the cover looking out. Is this is this yeah. where your thinking's gone? P- possibly, yeah. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't thought about the big eyes. Yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah, try and find something else with huge eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when you like look at all of this as a body of work and a thing that's ongoing, what's the overall aim with the magazine? Like, what, what do you want to achieve with this? Well, we want to. I mean, we we go back to the initial um, the idea of the project, which was initially to engaged a younger generation but we found increasingly it's it's kind of our um our generation and older you know uh, generations before us as well so that it's it's really really broad and that just shows that that people anywhere um whatever age have a, an interest in nature i think um and so yes yeah, it's, it's just it's it's going back to that idea we also wanted to um really strip down the kind of more technical side scientific side of uh, or deconstruct it perhaps um, to make it more simple more easy to digest Um, Rachel the founder she she uh, has dyslexia so she found she was she was reading uh, National Geographic and stuff and it's just too much. It's, it's really too much. I, th- I think from from day one we wanted to um, really just simplify things. Um, lots of pictures, lots of um, you know big big text, and just easy to read, more more palatable, really. Mm. Um, yeah. And so then you so you you started out aiming for a younger audience, but you found that you're skewing a bit older. So I'm guessing like sort of mid twenties, kind of upwards. Whereabouts do you find those readers? Because that's obviously a massive part of the the job. Like the, you know, you've got to put this magazine in places where people will engage with it. Have you found there are any like places where you stick it in there and like straight away you're getting a, a response? Um, uh, possibly. I mean, uh, we found actually the opposite is the case. If we 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 put them in. Um some wetland centres and nature reserves, and they don't they don't go very fast at all. Really? Yeah, strangely, um, and I think I think that's just because the real diehard nature lovers, you know, they know about all this stuff first of all. 
Um, and they're probably quite happy with BBC, like Birdwatching magazine or whatever, yeah, whatever they're looking at already. Yeah, yeah. Magazine, yeah, yeah. So I think that's just the case, um, and which we're fine with. I think we're, we're, yeah, we're fine with that. And also, I mean, we we put a lot of illustrations and um, artists and things like that. So that's, I think, another reason people would would you know want to read it. Um, yeah. So, so, where, so where are people mainly finding the magazine, and is it online? Is it? Is it... We don't. We don't. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we haven't done any any marketing. My uh, uh, Rachel's brother-in-law is. I think he's in marketing, and he's. We've we've sat him down, and he's said a whole load of things, and it's just kind of gone completely over. <laughs> so we're we're yeah, quite get kind of busy making this magazine, actually. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Um, so we're quite naive to that, I think. Um, but it's it's selling, and you know, people. We've had some some great feedback. Um, it always helps when when people like um, uh, uh, George Clark from All the right. telly. Yeah, yeah. He 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 found it and just tweeted about it, and Chris Packham's tweeted about it. So um, I think, yeah, social media is really powerful in that way. Yeah. Really powerful. Yeah. So we've got issue three um, about to come out, I guess, in a, a few weeks. Where does this all go from here? Is there like a, a plan for in five years' time, or is it much more like, you know, we're going to make this one, sell it, and then make the next one? Yeah, I think the latter's the case. I think we, we're just kind of going along with it. Um, I mean, the the idea of like having having a team in every 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 continent or something that'd be great but i think you know yeah we're just we're just keeping it keeping it going um but that's, i mean that's not what this mag is i mean the, the, the there's a real skew towards british uh stuff in here which i guess is maybe partly because it's what you're interested in but partly because that's where you are you're, you're here so you can talk about the wildlife which is in britain yeah yeah i mean um and that's another thing about stripping it right down we found that national geographic um it's worldwide and in fact it's kind of universal because it's you know it's all about space and stuff and that can be just too much we really wanted it to focus uh, in on on british wildlife also we wanted to we in our experience we learn so much more when we can we have the ability to see these animals um you know so we can see a rose chafer or, a, or an owl if you're lucky um and that I think it inspires people more. I think if they, there's there's conservation projects that are close to home that they can have a direct link with or um, support, it, that's that's brilliant. I think that's what we're, what we're trying to go for. So thinking for immediate future then, so let's think about issue four. What's the thing that you would love to change if you could? So one thing that you could tweak up and improve? Ah, oh, that's a. Well, we were saying um, we were saying the other day we we do a tree ID guide as well, and we was we were uh, just walking in a in a forest the other day, as you do, um, <laughs> and uh, we were saying oh, it would be great if we could do one of these, and I think it was like a a, a spruce or a, a pine or something, you know, and um, we thought it's quite quite difficult, it's quite tall. And we thought, oh, we could do a, like a flap, like a fold-out 
and we just, like are both our eyes just lit up. <laughs> so so maybe we'll do that. I don't know. All right, so we can look yeah. out for a spruce gatefold coming yeah, on, on issue four. Nice. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming in, and um, really good luck with it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Joseph for coming over and for speaking so openly about the way that he and Rachel work. If you've seen a copy, you'll know exactly what he means about making something that is absolutely not National Geographic. And I hope their steady growth continues into the second year of publishing. Remember, we've got lots more conversations with magazine makers in our archives. Just search for Stack Magazines on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, if you follow us while you're there, we'll be able to deliver next week's episode to you as soon as it's ready. Thank you very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.